The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ross King is a multi-award winning television presenter, actor and writer, renowned for his roles as the LA correspondent for ITV breakfast programmes Lorraine and Good Morning Britain, as well as for his versatility in stage, screen, TV and radio. And Ross is on the line with us here from Hollywood. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I have no idea who that was you just described. (laughs) He sounds a heck of a guy. I'd like to meet it sounds very talented. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like something somebody's manager wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? A lot of people in this country, anyway, know you best for being the LA correspondent on Lorraine and Good Morning Britain. So what is it like covering the entertainment scene in Hollywood? It's absolutely bonkers, Toby. Absolutely <laughs> mad. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. But it is exhilarating. It's fun. Uh, as long as you don't take it too seriously, you just get a great laugh about it all. Um, because that's the thing. It, it, it is not that serious. And I know sometimes people take it seriously. And there are sides of the business, obviously, you do have to take a little more seriously. But in the main, you know what, it's fun. And as a boy from from Glasgow, from Knightswood in Glasgow, to end up in Hollywood, and I still get the same feelings that I always did when I was a kid. And that's what I think is, it's nice for me. I'm hoping that also that translates to the viewers and to the listeners, because I'm just as excited. You know, this week I was interviewing Nicolas Cage. And, you know, I'm just excited to get in the car, to drive to the Four Seasons Hotel. You know, I come out my house. If I look out just now, I can see the Hollywood sign. Wow. You know, I... I see it from from all the rooms. I get in the car. You know, I drive to the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills. I go and interview Nicolas Cage, and and I, I I'm always very aware of the fact that you know even when when I was a kid, you know, if you if you saw somebody famous, you know, in a restaurant or saw them going into a place, you know how like, excited I was, and I never take it for granted that not only now do I get to meet some of these people that I've admired. I, I get to meet them. I get to sometimes, you know, have a photograph taken with them and I get to chat with them and I get to ask them questions that I wanted to ask. So I'm very aware of how privileged I am and my role in things. And also I'm hopefully then that conduit 
between people who don't have that privilege and myself who does. So I'm always very um, cognizant of it. I understand it and I never take it for granted and I never get bored by it. So that's the other thing. I just, I love what I do and I love it as much today as I did when I started off as a, uh, you know, 15, 16 year old in, in hospital radio and then in radio Clyde in Glasgow. I suppose it's quite important for you to never get bored of it because you've been doing it for quite a while and yes, I don't think there's anybody that you haven't interviewed really <laughs> no I mean it, it is ridiculous and <laughs> when sometimes people say who have you not interviewed and then I think well oh oh no I did and then oh yeah <laughs> no I interviewed them yeah no I did actually once and then so it, it is ridiculous but again just so lucky to have been in the business for such a long time to have met so many different people um, and yeah, again, it's just never taking it for granted, Toby. That's the thing of just enjoying it all, having fun with it, not taking the business, not taking yourself too seriously. You know, I think you know all my friends would know that, and perhaps people who've who've uh, been kind enough to watch me on the TV will know that I I certainly don't take my te- myself seriously at all. <laughs> and is there a particular person you've interviewed that's maybe left an impact on you, or it was a particularly memorable interview? Oh my goodness me, there's so many that have been memorable from all different reasons um you know you'll have ones where it's people that you've admired um you know people like say dolly parton that who ends up just being who you want her to be uh then you have other people that are great and who just get it you know people like george clooney who you can just lob the ball to and he just knocks it out of the park because he he gets where you're coming from and then he takes you know it's, it's almost like feeding a great comedian a line and they take the line and then hit the punchline and that's what people like George do because they've been around a long time and then you have people like Julia Roberts who who doesn't suffer fools gladly and in an interview can be quite um, you know she can be quite uh, testy is maybe not quite the right word but she's you know, you've got to be on your game. That's a simple thing. And, yeah. you know, she will not just go blandly. She will <laughs> she will actually question things or say, well, why did you say that? Or <laughs> behind that? Um, and Which is great because I love that as well. Mm. Um, and she's just, again, someone who's been around. So, yeah, the, 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 there's so many different people for all different reasons. Um, and, again, just lucky. <laughs> yeah. When you have somebody like that that maybe is quite hard to win over – how mm-hmm. do you get them on side and make them relaxed <laughs> and all that? Especially when it's somebody quite high profile where, you know, maybe not with mm. you because you've been doing it for so long, but yeah. some people might find quite intimidating. I think, and this is a, a maybe sounds strange to, to some people, that it's, it's like yourself. You know, you're very engaging, very chatty. You immediately feel at, at home. You you don't feel under attack or anything at all like that. And I think it's hard. It's funny. Nicholas Cage and I were just talking about this um, uh, just this week, which is that now in the world of sound bites and you know screen grabs and clickbait, people are really reticent to to talk openly sometimes, and I completely understand that. 
And, you know, we were having that conversation and he said that even though he's been around a long time, he is aware of it. But he said, no, I still just want to be honest. I still want to give honest answers. And if people take them and chop them up and make it sound something different or make it like a different answer to a different question, that's like that's like their problem. But he's also he's got a new movie out, um, which which at one point it basically focuses on a man who appears in people's dreams and he becomes famous for no reason other than he appears in everybody's dreams and then <laughs> and then he gets basically it's cancel culture as well and we're, we're i think everyone's very aware that that people people want to cancel people and so i think everyone is a little bit wary of things but that's just the way that 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 life is now in the way that the the business is which, yeah. which in many respects is a shame and again you feel for comedians who are always treading very carefully or have to. And you yourself started out in theatre and in film and television. So do you think your background there benefits you when you're interviewing people? It maybe gives you some extra insight that other people wouldn't have. Yeah, definitely, Toby. I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. It's a great question, for sure. Because having been in that other side of things, I understand how they feel. And also, if, say, for example, there's a particular topic that is very now and that they themselves know that probably somebody will want to talk about it. And also, if you imagine sometimes for these stars, uh, like Nicolas Cage the other day, they're doing junkets, which are called junkets, film junkets. So basically they're stuck in a room <laughs> in a hotel yeah. and all these different people are coming in from all over the world or in Zoom calls, as a lot of them are at the moment. And a lot of them are asking the exact same question. And then if it is something that's been very topical, they're going to ask them about it. And my way is that that we're all in the same boat. We understand, you know, that I probably have to talk about that. They understand that I have to talk about that. But it's it's how you get into it and how you do it. And, you know, some journalists, because I've been in the other end of it as well, is that they do that thing where you'll have a really lovely chat for a few minutes. And then it's kind of like, oh, just before I go, can I ask you? And then bang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I think... I know that that's how they think because that's how I think as well. So quite often, if there is, let's say it's subject A, that you know you can bring it into the conversation and maybe even bring it in early and say you know here you are stuck in this hotel room and I'm presuming that today all anyone's wanted to talk to you about is subject A. Um, how have you been dealing with that? Because sometimes it's nice to get an insight into them saying, well, yeah, because, you know, I'm trying to think if I say this, does it mean that? If I say this, does it mean that? And so you get that. And then there's a, a degree of empathy that you have that, you, that you've built up. And then also, if you you very obviously are making it clear that you're not here to try and trap someone or or get them to to say something that they don't want to say, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a chat. It's like you and I were having at the moment. It's a, it's a conversation rather than, you know, and, and I'm not saying that the, it's the wrong way to do it. It's just not a way that I do it. I don't go in and I don't have like, you know, a piece of paper, you know, like a big question card and I'm asking the question. And then, you know, while they're answering it, I'm looking down going, my next question is, you know, and and as we all know, you, you can miss a lot. I mean, it's fine to have a rough structure. I always say, you know, you and some things you go, I really would like to talk about that at some point. But equally, allow yourself to amble off. <laughs> yes. Time. 
Um, because that's sometimes where you get the nuggets, where you you stumble across them. It's like simple thing. It's like going off the beaten path, and suddenly you discover some beautiful beach that you didn't realize was there. And that that's what happens. And I think sometimes when people go into interviews, they're very set. But also, you know, I can see it as well that you know you'll you'll you know say you know you walk in in an interview and there's a, a car drives up or something, and you remark upon the car, and the person immediately goes. Yeah, well, that car, well, you know, that car kind of looks like the one that featured in the movie and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they do that whole bit where you're like, yeah, come on. You know, <laughs> I, I understand. We'll get back to that. And also, you know, you can in an interview, you know, you can take charge as well and you can say, look, I really want to talk about the movie. Or or also, you know, that if someone that's what they're there for, then, you know, at the t- right at the top, even talk about it because then they, they'll settle a little bit because they've talked about what they what they feel that the, they're there to talk about. Um, so yeah, so it's varying degrees, varying techniques. I think it's it's also you know listening to people and actually listening to what they're saying and then picking up on it. Because I remember one time it was really funny when Benedict Cumberbatch um, was coming out here. He was doing red carpets, but wasn't that well known. Obviously huge in Britain, but not that well known here. And we were having this chat, and it was really funny because he said to me, you know, it's very unusual to have someone look at me while they're interviewing me. And not look down at questions and also not be looking over my shoulder to see who else is coming along. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, a lot of, you know, you you will actually see it sometimes if you look at red carpets. Now, listen, when it comes to the Oscars, you, you are on one of these crazy situations where... It's like I could be talking to you at the moment, Toby, and saying, yeah, uh, and I'm just glancing because suddenly I see Angelina Jolie come along or something like that. So you've <laughs> got to be ready to then wrap things up and then make sure that you don't miss people. Uh, but, you know, again, you can do it in a, a mannerly way, I think is another big thing that, you know, it's just being respectful and being mannerly and, and just being decent. And it's really important, as you say, to listen to the answers because hmm. they could give you some absolute gold to follow up oh. on, they could finish an answer with and that night I killed a man and if you weren't listening you go to the next question and Mm. people would be like what? And also, yeah. they might have already answered your next question. So yeah. you got to pay attention. Yes, I've seen, yeah, I've seen that. And I've seen it. I've seen it with, you know, experienced broadcasters as well. And I've gone, exactly. They just said there, <laughs> and you just missed out on it. And also, the other thing is that, and I'm sure you know this too, is that if you, when you finish, uh, if you've asked the question and they've given you an answer, if you leave a pause sometimes, and I learned this from the, a wonderful interview called Sheila Duffy. And when I was a kid at local radio, um, I would T.O. technically operate for her show. You know, I'd be, you know, recording it and all the rest of it, making sure the mics were all good. And she had this wonderful thing where with it being radio, she would she would laugh silently. <laughs> so, you know, you would say something, she'd go. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have that terrible problem of editing things with and there was huge laughter. Um, which was great. And then also um, she would just leave gaps. You know, so, you know, I said to you, what's your, your, the, the, the best day you've ever had in your life? And you say, yeah, the day I did this, 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 this. And if you just leave a little pause or a gap, people tend to fill the gap, especially if they're experienced, because you don't want there to be dead air or this, oh, like, oh, you want more. Or, and sometimes again, that's when you will get lovely little nuggets because people will fill they'll fill the space and they'll give you an answer and then give you another answer (laughs) (laughs) and keep talking.
<laughs> Good try. Yeah. <laughs> you were listening to my answer. <laughs> yes. Now, as I mentioned, you kind of started out in theatre and television, and your first stage appearance was actually at the age of four. So yes. how did that early exposure to stage influence your kind of later work, if at all? Uh, yes, uh, it, it, it made me realise that I was a show-off, <laughs> <laughs> that, I would, that I was a sucker for doing anything on a stage which got a laugh. Because uh, if I remember rightly, I did a fi- I, I tripped and fell and then, got the, and then bounced back up and went something like, da-da, and got this big laugh. And I remember thinking, oh, I like that. I like, I like that applause and laughter. Um, so I think that that was a big thing that that uh, started then, and yeah, I was so lucky that my mum and dad were both very musical. Uh, mum played the piano, dad played various instruments, and that I was that little kid that got pushed out at weddings to sing with the band, and you know, they, so you you were a performer. You know, I remember doing impressions of the teachers and then doing impressions for my aunts and uncles and to varying degrees of success <laughs> and then doing doing impressions of them. And so the, 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 there's just always been that performer. And I think that came from mum and dad, even though they weren't in show business at all. Um, I, I always laugh when I remember I was going to be a footballer or, <laughs> or not going to be a footballer and uh, <laughs> saying to my my dad that I decided that I wasn't going to play football. I was going to go into show business. And he was so supportive and said, we will do whatever we can to help. But simply, we don't know Coco the Clown. So we can't, we don't really have an an inside track for you. So, yeah, that was, I had to find Coco the Clown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you've appeared in Hollywood blockbusters and independent films, as well as stage productions like Uh the Rocky Horror Show and Dick Whittington. So... (laughs) How did you and do you choose the roles that you're going to appear in? Oh wow! Sometimes you get a choice, not all, not often as well. I mean, I think if you're a huge star, then you know you do get to pick and choose. Uh, the Rocky Horror Show, playing the role of Frankenfurter, was something that I never, a, I never dreamed of doing. B, I never dreamt that I would ever be asked to do it. And I took over from Jason Donovan in it, who who's a great pal. And, you know, we we laughed. I remember one day, so I was taking over from him. And if anyone's seen the Rocky Horror Show, if they haven't, and the character of Frankenfurter, you just look it up just now. And uh, there may well be a picture of me as um, Rocky, you know, Frankenfurter, who's a sweet transvestite. Just look it up. It's, it's, <laughs> quite a, it's quite a picture that will definitely put you off your tea, guaranteed for, for, for weeks to come, <laughs> years to come. Um, but it's so funny that one of the shows when we were, when I was getting into the show, so the idea was that I would sort of mirror everything that Jason was doing, but off stage. So we knew the quick changes. We knew where I had to be in the stage, et cetera, et cetera, like that. And it was funny that we were both standing back backstage looking at each other like this mirror image of Frankenfurter and I remember Joyce going oh mate do you remember when we were like young and blonde and like you know in children's tv and that was the first time that I'd met Jason was in Jersey and he was doing a tour there and I was doing a, a kids tv show on a Saturday morning called the 815 from Manchester <laughs> and it was just so funny they were going how your careers take you in so many different directions 
but the great thing for me was that it really, really challenged me. And I do like challenges because, again, as you get older and when you've been in, worked in the business for a long time, where I'm so lucky to have done that, is that you can become quite comfortable with things and don't do things. I, I remember I, I did a set at the Laugh Factory out here in Sunset Boulevard uh, a few years ago doing stand-up. And I'm not, I mean, I host lots of things. I do gags, et cetera. But I would never say that I was a stand-up. But the owner of the club had said to me, I'd seen you in TV. I I, I think you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know come and do a set and i did a 15 minute set i did two 50 minute sets that night and that was great and it was it t- again takes you out of i know the expression life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. ...gets used a lot out of your comfort zone. But it is good sometimes to actually push yourself out there and 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 to, to push boundaries for yourself and to see what you can achieve or sometimes what you can achieve. And, you know, again, sometimes there's nothing wrong. I always think when people talk about, like, my, my failed football career... But it's that interesting thing when you realize how how good or how bad you're going to be sometimes at things. And there's no harm in going, you know what? I can do that to that ability. And then I I, I can't, you know, and again, it was like me playing football and you go and have trials at these different places. And, you know, you may have thought you were the best player in your team. And then you go and you realize it's a whole different level. And, you know, I often have, you know, chat, especially when I go home. And it's funny, sometimes people will say really nice things about when I was playing football. 
And I say, yeah, to anyone, just think, who was the best footballer at your school? There's always one normally you go, you know, blah, blah, blah. Ali McCoist, he was the best player at school. <laughs> you know, but but what happened to them? And there are very few Ali McCoists. You know, there's there's very, very few that people say, oh, yeah, whatever happened to him? And then it'll be all that you had a couple of trials at, you know, Dundee United or something and or Falkirk and <laughs> this happened. And, you know, that's when you realise how hard the business is. And also, you know, I'm very aware of the fact that, you know, there are not many jobs like mine and I'm so fortunate to have it. And a lot of luck goes into that too. You've done so many things. It's hard to describe what you do as a job <laughs> because yeah. you've done theatre, television, radio as well. So on the subject of radio, how do you think mm -hmm. the intimacy of radio broadcasting differs mm -hmm. from your experiences in television? And mm -hmm. do you maybe have a preference of the two? No, I don't. I, I, Weirdly enough, I don't have a preference. I really, the reason I don't have a preference is because I enjoy whatever it is that I'm doing at the time, because I've seen so many people always believe the grass is greener on the other side. And sometimes there's not even grass on the other side, but everyone gets caught up in it. So when you're doing radio, people go, I want to do TV. And then they're doing TV. I want to do theatre. I'm doing films. I, do, I want to do theatre. I'm doing theatre. I want to do films. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, hopefully if you're lucky, you get a chance to do all the different things, but also being aware of how things are different. Um, and I had a great producer. I had two great producers when I first went into network TV at Granada. Uh, Rod Natkill, another friend, Richard. And they would say, just be aware that there's a different style for radio than there is for TV. Now, th th this is going back to, like, obviously, way, way, be way before your days, Toby, when, when radio was very... As we like, like Chris Moyles and I used to always laugh about how when you would jock it up, you know, <laughs> and it was, you know, it was 95 point great capital FM <laughs> from the power, you know, this is, you know, the top of the Houston Tower, more blah, 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 blah. And, it was all, and everything was about hitting the, the vocals on a, on a record. And it was very much, you know, hey, it's Ross the Boss, it's the king coming at you, it's the man with the tan, it's blah, 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 high above in the Hollywood Hills and all that stuff. Um, so when you went into TV, you had to realize that there was a there was a difference. You could still have energy, but then equally as well, you can see people. And obviously, radio is a lot different now because most radio stations have cameras, you know, in, in their studios. But again, it's that thing of just hitting. Um, that there's a funny thing, and you just, I still see it with some people. I won't mention them, but I see them <laughs> on TV who will like hit the wrong word for no reason whatsoever, <laughs> you know. And yeah, and I always go, yeah, I bet they were in radio at some, or they're still doing radio. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing where you don't have to accentuate all the wrong words. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, and and occasionally you can do things. You know, I mean, I, I was doing Lorraine Kelly's show this morning, and it is quite funny sometimes if you're going into the break i occasionally will do it in a slightly mickey takey you know and it's all coming up right here with <laughs> itv1 you know um, you know sometimes like that which is just for me just having a, a you know a bit a bit of a giggle so it's uh it's it's a funny thing like that but yeah there's so many different styles and again you know when you're if you're hosting an event in the theater it depends i remember doing a musical summer holiday at the the hammersmith apollo 
And, you know, I think it holds about 5,000 people. And it was Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, two great comedians who played there. And they'd said, they'd said to me, you know, you're going to have to realize that everything has to be really big, you know, because it has to register. Because like me, me looking at you just now and doing that, or if I, if my expression choose that <laughs> for people listening in radio, I'm doing a slightly angry face or whatever. Yes. But of course, when you've got 5,000 people, you have to be huge. Huge and big, yeah. So again, it's just it. It's almost like reading the room that people would say nowadays. It's reading the size of the room, reading exactly what kind of show it is. You know, I went back to acting class here in LA for about three years, and. We were doing a scene from Moulin Rouge, the musical that had Ewan McGregor. And I was playing Ewan McGregor's part in this scene that we were doing. And the the the, the kind of precede version of the story was that he stopped that my acting coach stopped the scene and said, you know, you're not you're not you're not big here. What is it? And I said, Well, I think as a as a as a British acting thing that we're frightened about being over the top, being too big. And he said to me, look, imagine you're doing this movie for real. You know, you're on a soundstage in Australia. There's like a 200-foot elephant. There's this, there's this, there's this. You know, what exactly does the expression over the top mean? And I said, well, over the top of the scene, you know, just... And he said, yeah, so where is the scene here? You know, and the scene is like so high, you couldn't ever be over the top of it. So again, those were lessons that I I apply to to life and sometimes to... Um, even an interview, you you can be interviewing someone who um, is not that kind of like comedic person. You can spar with somebody sometimes that that is very funny and is very big, and you have to match their energy. It's 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 funny. I mean, it's an absolutely fun way of just doing the whole thing. And you mentioned that you were doing Lorraine Kelly this morning, but you have the yes. luxury of being in LA where. You stay up late rather than having to get up early to be on breakfast Absolutely. telly. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I my uh, on-air broadcasting uh, time can be from so ten o'clock here, which is six in the morning in the UK, and then that will go right through. Lorraine's show will finish at two in the morning here. Um, and then if I've got Australian TV to do or New Zealand, that can be at four in the morning. It can be five in the morning. It can be any time. <laughs> but I've always, I've always much preferred being the the late guy. And I, I don't know whether it's just because I always thought show business was that you you stayed up late. <laughs> yeah. You worked, you did gigs, you were in the theatre, whatever. Even when I was DJing, you know, you're doing the clubs and things. And I remember being offered the breakfast show uh, at Radio Clyde, and which of course, you know, for most stations probably still is that breakfast show is was a big big thing and i did it for a week and said look i'll do it for a week i said i really don't think i want to do this i'm going to do it for a week just because out of respect that you've asked me to do it and by the end of the week i was like nope don't, <laughs> don't, don't like this at all do not like getting up early um so yeah so that was so yes i'm mr mr showbiz as in i like working late at night and getting up late <laughs> yes are there any projects or areas of the entertainment industry that you haven't done yet but would like to or have you done pretty much everything by now no <laughs> oh no there's always loads of things to to do uh i'd love to do i'd love to go back into doing some more acting again i'd like to do a really serious role i mean it was funny that there was that great uh police drama taggart that went on 
for many many years and I, I really wanted to go into that and be like the the bad guy in it um so I'd love to have done something like that I'd still love to do something like that and you know do a, a really nice meaty serious role um but I'm lucky that I've had a chance to do so many things you know I'm, I'm in the middle of I've written three books with uh, a lovely lady Shari Lowe and we're in the middle of writing another book in fact we've got a deadline that's got to be finished by November so that it can come out next year uh, I'm involved in a musical project at the moment with uh, a very big big name that I can't say anything about but that's you know that's something different um, I've just written a Christmas song with a, uh, an Emmy I'm not an Emmy a Grammy winner out here um, so that'll be interesting to see won't be this Christmas but maybe next Christmas that I'll see something so I'm always dabbling that's the great thing I think it's what keeps you you know very much young at heart and also fresh yeah I think that's the big thing you want to really keep doing things you want to to keep reinvigorating yourself and just yeah again it's you know new technology whether it's AI whether it's TikTok whether it's anything you know it's like embracing all these things and I think that's 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 what keeps you current you know that's I think I always say TV with a with a lot of people and you know they'll say well why why do you think they've said this or why have they done this documentary and I always say you know for them it's to keep them current uh, it's to keep them there and my way of keeping myself current is to be on top of all the things and to be aware of the things and to be interested in it as well you know you know whatever music it is or, or to even think well it's not really for me but I get it I understand why it's popular why they're popular I don't have to like it but I I think you do have to understand it for you I suppose you've always been covering the story and yes. with all these projects <laughs> do you feel like you get to be the story a little bit <laughs> um a little bit but I still much prefer not being the story I really like covering the story and I like also you know I like presenting just the facts you know occasionally uh you know with Lorraine I will give an opinion in something uh, but it's only my my opinion, I would say, is hopefully to just draw the curtain back a little bit here to explain why something may well have happened or this is what the possible end result is. I, I like doing that. I like dissecting it. Uh, and also, I write with a friend of mine, Alan Stewart, and we love deconstructing comedy and humour and, you know, like reverse engineering jokes. Um, <laughs> if he's doing a pantomime and he goes, I need a joke about show jumping, you know, and then you go okay so we start with and then you know you work you so it's almost like you have the punchline and you work your way back and reverse engineer the joke so i love things like that i love dissecting it and i love i just love what i do and i i also love going to see movies i love going to the theater i love listening to music i still have a, a huge love affair with the the whole of the business and how do you think your own approach to broadcasting and the other things that you do have evolved over the years do you hope that you've improved in some way oh good 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 i hope i've improved <laughs> i'm convinced i have um, but my, my mom always said i think when i was a, a kid and i've often said it wasn't until i was in my 20s that i really understood it and she said whenever i go off say i was going off to do uh, play a football match or i was going off to do a play or something she would say as i left the house just do your best son that's all you can do 
And I'd be like, yeah. And I'd always walk away thinking, of course I'm going to do my, I mean, why, like what? I'm not going to do my best. And then I realized what that actually meant and all the ways that you can do your best, you know, do your research. You know, are you, from a football point of view, did you get enough sleep? Are you training enough? Are you training hard enough? Are you really trying hard in the game? You know, when it's not going well. You know, in theatre, am I doing my vocal warm-ups? Am I singing? Am I trying this? Am I am I trying new techniques? Am I am I taking a joke that worked okay, trying to make it even better? So it was that simple thing of, you know, do your best. That's all you can do because once you've done that, and especially here in what can be a very cruel city, Toby, is that, you know, if you go for an addition and it is kind of like next. You go, okay, and it's people say, don't take it personally. But of course you do take it personally because it's you. Yeah. But the simple fact of the matter for me is that if I've you know, listened to dear old mum, if I've done my best, if I've gone in and I've done my best, that's it. I can, I, can, I really cannot do any better than that. So you know, that's it. It's up. It's up to. It's up to them to you know to to you know change whatever they think. But I've done my best, and that's all I can do. Well, what sort of things are coming up that you can tell us about in the kind of <laughs> short term? And the when are you term. next on the telly and all that? <laughs> I'm next on the telly Monday morning, which is Sunday night for me here. Oh, yes. Um, as I said, we've uh, got, so we've written, th- Sherry and I have written three books, um, The Rise, The Catch, The Fall. They're all out at the moment with a big production company here. We've written a pilot script. So fingers crossed that the what is basically a Hollywood trilogy will be made into a TV series. That could happen next year, next decade, never. You know, I'm, I'm very realistic when it comes to these things things and then we're writing a new book a fourth book which will feature some of the characters that were in the first three as more sort of cameo roles so it's it's all a you know brand new story with brand new people um so that's really exciting that's got to be finished by november that'll be out next year um tv wise i've got i'm lucky as well i get to do lots of voiceovers if, if someone's unfortunate enough to call up american express you get me saying thank you for calling american express oh, i'll try that <laughs> So I have, uh, so that's a lovely job that I, every month I end up doing, I sit in my little studio here and I'm I'm so lucky. I'm right up by the Hollywood sign. I have a TV studio, an actual TV radio studio in my house. How ridiculously lucky is that? And, <laughs> you know, as a kid who started out in radio, you know, and I've said, you know, how much it was such a great grounding to, to do radio and to do everything. You know, I would, I started off as basically the studio studio effect totem as a kid i would do everything i'd run in with the teas the coffees the photocopy the scripts you know record stuff edit stuff and you know i had this thing one time at, at love street in paisley the home of st Merrin, and i was rigging the football ground it was a horrible wet saturday afternoon in glasgow the rain was chucking it down there was it was like sleet hail and i was trying to get the the mast up in the the radio car and trying to push it up and it wouldn't quite work and it kept falling down and i remember at one point Lying on top of, and I had my little thing, Radio Cloud jacket, because you were so proud to have this jacket um, that kind of got you in places. It was, oh, Radio Cloud, <laughs> and you come. And um, it was, I remember sobbing, it, it, not crying, but it just <gasps> like this on top of the, the radio van, thinking, what is what is this for? What am I doing with it? What am I doing with my life? And now when I go downstairs in the house here and flick a switch and the lights go on and a TV camera goes on and the microphone goes on, and I think, oh my goodness me that's what it was for and so 
So every single time, and I'm not, this is not like a show busy story. Every time I flick that switch, I right away will think of being that kid on top of the, the radio car van. And it's the truth. It genuinely, that's everything, every time it happens. Wow. That's inspirational because I guess there's a lot of people who are maybe in that situation at the moment where they think, why am I doing this? It's hopefully most of the time to lead them somewhere where they want Absolutely. to be. Absolutely, yeah. And also, Johnny Carson, who was a great chat show host here, always said, whatever skill you learn, you will use it at some point. And it's a bit like every joke you've heard, at some point you probably use that joke or you know, <laughs> shoehorn it into something. You know, it's a bit like if someone says to you, do you want to learn to ride a, a unicycle? It's like, not really thought about it. But if you do it, guaranteed that at some point, you know, you You'll be doing a TV show and someone will be saying, oh, we want to do this piece to camera from a circus. It'd be great if you could juggle or ride a unicycle. <laughs> yes. You know, it's funny, all the things that will come back that you just never, ever thought that you would use again. But again, it's just that great thing. It's like it's like stocking up the, the cupboard with a whole host of, you know, fun toys. Yeah. And you just never know when you're going to, you know, it's like pull something out of the, of the, the huge reservoir of... Of, of stories, of jokes, of whatever talent there may be or skills, you know, it's it's just that great thing. And I and I also I think as you get older, and obviously you're adding to it, that's the thing, is to keep adding to it. Never ever think I've got enough, you know, you know, tricks here. It's you know, extra, there's always extra things to add in. Well, where are we able to keep up to date with you? Do you have a website and social media and indeed. all that? I do. I'm on Twitter. I'm on well X now. I'm oh, on. Yeah. I'm on uh yeah, pretty much you get me in everything. At at the Ross King is is me. And the, the reason it's not at the Ross King, it's at the Ross King. The reason it's is that oh there we are, there's the, the doorbell already. Uh, <laughs> at the at the Ross King is because I was in a lift in Glasgow one time and there was a couple got in the lift and the and the, the, the girl turned to me and said, Look, that's the Ross King. And the guy was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not on the TV. I can hear you. I can hear what you're saying. And they said, and they went, I it's the Ross King. <laughs> so that was that's why I thought, I quite like that funny thing of being the Ross King. So there we are. <laughs> well, many thanks my for pleasure. talking to us today. It's been great oh, to have you here. Lovely day. And thank you. And good luck with your career as well, Toby. Oh, thank terrific. you. Been a great job. Well done. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound The Toby Gribben Show